This is awesome that we are now moving on to the third part of the series, and tonight is titled Living Worthy. We are looking through Philippians. For those who maybe haven't been here, we're looking through the book of Philippians. So we've begun looking through, and in Philippians 1, we started by declaring that we must live in thankfulness. We should live our life full of thankfulness, both to God and to the others living around us. We remember them, and we remember everyone, and we pray a blessing on them. So everybody that we come in contact with, we remember. We're intentional about this. We remember them. We bless them. And we're bless them, we bless them confident that God will complete the good work that he started in them. Isn't that good? That God doesn't just leave unfinished projects. Now, my dad was renowned for leaving unfinished projects. My dad bought himself this historic tractor that was in good working order. But he wanted to remove one or two items which had been added on. So he stripped the whole tractor down and it lay there for years. But... He did sell it to somebody else who's now restored it, and it's going again. But then, but this is the thing, God doesn't leave un- incomplete items in our life. He doesn't leave us partly done, does he? He's not, he's not that project that we decide to start but never complete. He is a finisher, completer. So he's going to finish it. And then we remember that we've got to live according to God's purposes. We are created for a reason and a purpose, aren't we? We're not just created to float through life in a willful, willless existence. There's a plan. We remember that even though there's hard times, that God brings to fulfillment the plans that he has, whatever the hard times may come. And when opposition comes our way, we remain confident. And evil, even people praise God more when they see God working through us in the hard times than whenever things are all right it can actually really build the confidence of people around you when they see how you deal with the things that come your way. So don't look at the thing, the trials that you have as negative. That's partly what tonight is about, actually. We're looking a bit more into that. And then we don't compromise the message for any reason. We live to honor God. And if we die, it's the best thing that can happen. The best thing that can ever happen to us is actually death. Because then our salvation will be complete. Then we'll be with him face to face. What we know in part will become whole. That's why we as Christians, if we believe in the real message of Jesus, we don't fear death. We welcome it with open arms. Not that we will it, because I get challenged. uh, Margaret turned to me and goes, you don't really want to die, do you? And I'm like, well, no, but yes. Yes, I do want to die because I can't wait to see Jesus face to face, but I'm happy to stay here and serve him. I don't bring around my own death, either through my own decisions or through, through choice. So we do that. We remember that living is for God, but dying is better. You know, we get the chance to serve God, and that's the beauty of what happens in us. You know, we might only know in part now we live in faith, But we step into that. So tonight, we're going to read from verse 27 in Philippians 1. We're going to read from 27 to the end. It says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, 
striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted for you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here I still have. See, we're supposed to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. Whenever you choose to follow God, Jesus turns to you just like he did to the disciples and says, follow me. And that's, the, that's what he says to all of us. Yes, you might have made the decision like a, like a legal contract, you know, Romans 10 and 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. It's like a legal contract, check, check, check. But what you do after that is still a choice. You know what, you can do that and enter into heaven, enter into the glory, but you've never followed God because so, you've done the legal bit in essence, but you've never actually delivered on the promise. And the thing is, this is what God wants us to remember. We were supposed to live a whole life worthy of the calling we received. When Jesus says, follow me, he doesn't mean just in that little bit. He means in every area of your life. He means, I've got so much life to give you, but only if you let me give you it. It's your choice how much you enter in or how little. And that's why I love looking at the fruits of the Spirit in the morning. You know, whenever in the mornings, whenever we read through these, because we can have as much or as little of the fruits of the Spirit as we wish. You can have as much of the joy of the Lord as you wish. So you can be a miserable person, or you can actually be so full, full of the joy of the Lord that it's infectious. I remember meeting this Christian lady, and uh, I was on mission in Northern Ireland, and I met this Christian lady, and she was so bubbly and so full of joy. She was it was ridiculous. And you know what? She, everywhere she went, she just brought happiness. And that was her name. Her name was actually happiness. And everywhere she went, whenever she entered into the room, the room transformed. She brought the presence that she carried with her. And, that, and her name actually, she carried her name with her. So I encourage you to carry, carry what God's given you with you. It starts with a reminder that we can't just live how you like. You know what? You can't just go out and just do whatever, whenever, and think that it's going to be okay. That's not acceptable in the kingdom of God. It never will be. And not only that, we don't live by the same standards the world lives by. If the world says, this is okay, this is acceptable, we go, right, well, I'm going to do up here then, because I want to be above and beyond reproach. I want to live in such a way. And if you think about that story, you think about Stephen Whenever he was in Acts, whenever he was appointed as a, as a deacon, he was appointed to serve. And people just were dumbfounded because people were bringing accusations against him, saying, he's done this, he's done that, he's done the other thing, thinking that, oh, we'll not target the top guys, we'll target the ones just below. And whenever they accused Stephen, they looked at him and went, but he's got like the face of an angel. How could that be true of him? And that's the way we're meant to live our lives. We're meant to live our lives beyond reproach so nobody can point the finger at us and say, oh, have you seen them? Have you seen what they've been doing? I can't believe what they've done. You see, just getting by isn't good enough. Just surviving life isn't good enough. We're meant to thrive in our life. Jesus said, I've, uh, you know, the enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy, but what's he come to do? 
give us life. Not just, just to give us life, but to give us life in all its fullness. Who here can honestly say they're living to the fullness of the life that God had planned for them? I don't think anybody could honestly put their hand up and say, I am. There might be moments now where you felt that and you felt like, wow, I'm literally living in the best moments of my life right now. But can we honestly say that we're really living our life to the full for God? We're really honoring him with every area of our life and every thought and every... I'm preaching to myself as much as you here. You know what? We all need to have this excellence when it comes to God. And that's a purity of excellence. It's not a, it's not a just do things to the best. We're meant to do things to the best of our ability, even if sometimes we're not as able as we'd wish. We're still meant to do things to the best. But it actually is supposed to be a, a heavenly purity come into whatever we do. There's a passage which we have looked at that basically said, if you do things with the right heart, with the purest motives from your heart, it's pure. And that's what we're meant to be like. Only just doing enough is not enough. We've got to seek for the holiest and the purest thing that we can do. See, Paul loves these guys so much that he goes on to say that he's actually concerned. And the thing is, he, he's concerned that they might compromise in their walk with God. But he says he wants to hear good reports that whether he's there or whether he's not, that they're going to walk with him. That's in essence what he's sharing here in the, in the verse. He's, he's actually, um, he's, he's wrestling with it going, I just want to know that you're going to be okay. I want to know that you're going to do the best you can be and be the best you can be. I want you to walk with God. And he says, by to do that, we're all meant to stand united in God. We're all meant to be standing united. And now one thing you've got to remember about standing united as God is it is not uniformity. So you're not all standing in, in one row looking the same. We're not a bunch of clones, are we? We're actually, we live to the fullness of our own identities of who God made us to be. So the thing is, if you're not really engaging, uh, you know, with God, you're not actually living to the fullness of your identity that God's given you. That's what we're all meant to be doing. We're all meant to be seeking out, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? In every situation. And you know what? Just in praise, it's totally different. Because sometimes some people are really connecting with God and they're standing still. Sometimes people are really connecting with God and they're dancing like an Egypt. You know, sometimes people are actually lying down in the ground sometimes and they're really connecting with God. But yet you can do all of that and not even be connected with God. See, posture is nothing to do with heart. And that's why we're all meant to be actually standing united in God. We stand connected to God and then through an authentic connection with God, then we're actually united as one. When Jesus prayed in the garden, did he pray we'd all look the same? No, but he prayed that we would be one. Just before Jesus went to his death, that's what he prayed for us, that we would be one, that we would have one heart. See, the joy is we are all different and we all connect with God in different ways. So I would encourage you, connect with God whatever way you need to connect with God. It's not gonna work trying to connect with God the way I connect with God. There's no point in you trying to connect with God the way I connect with God because it won't resound in your heart. 
Like I love talking with, uh, with Margaret and Muriel because they talk about the way they used to connect with God through the Psalms and the chanting and all the, all the, the old stuff. And they, they love that and they do miss it. You know, but, they, but then they also are going, we love the way other people are connecting with God now and the way we're connecting with God now as a church. And you know what? Connecting with it in all these different ways is amazing. Why? Because you're connecting with God. And that's the main thing. The main thing is people are connecting with God and lives are being transformed and seeing the beauty, even if it's not to your style and liking. But we celebrate one another and our differences. We celebrate one another like God hasn't made us all the same. Isn't it amazing that this church isn't full with all of me? Because if it was loads of people just like me, we'd be in trouble because I, and that's the thing, it's not full, full of you either, which is another amazing thing. We're all so diverse, and through diversity, we actually thrive. And that's why I love even all the different styles of churches we have, because through diversity, we thrive. Because it means there's somewhere for people to go that connect in that way. And that's the beautiful thing about it. The main thing is, as we read the last time, is that the gospel is preached and that people are reached. If we're not doing that, we're not the church. That's the truth. So we're meant to strive to connect with God through faith in the gospel. If our faith isn't in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus, then our faith is in men. And who here wants to follow a bunch of men when you can follow God? Isn't that true? See, we're all meant to believe the same gospel and the outworking looks different in every single one of us. We thrive, to fo thrive after following God. However, it's not easy when people are, diff are different. That's one thing I will say is, that's why we've got to learn to love each other. It's not just a given. It's not just something we just receive. It's something we've got to work hard at. We've got to work hard. And some people are harder to love than others. Just ask my wife about me. She'll tell you. <laughs> I'm joking. But I'm joking, obviously. But you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? You know, sometimes it's really hard to love people. Why? Because love sometimes is a choice, isn't it? I'm sure if you talk to anybody that's been married for any length of time, is they'll tell you that they don't always wake up with gooey feelings. They don't always wake up going, oh, wow, I love you so much every single day. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a choice. Sometimes you've got to work at these things. And that's why we've got to strive to stay connected with God. We've got to strive to keep the unity in the church. And that's why we don't let in gossip and backbiting and all of these other things which draw us away. You see, we don't need to fear anything. Why? Because God is in us and God is fighting for us. And you see, if God is for us, who can be against us? Isn't that a beautiful thought? You know what? God's for us, so who can be against us? So you see, if you come under some sort of attack just by living a life worthy, then actually you know it's okay. You know what? You actually should want that. Why? Because the Bible very clearly tells us we should want it. We shouldn't be surprised if people come against us if we love and honor God the way we're meant to. Because the thing is that actually people just don't comprehend it. They don't understand it. Now, however, I do have to say, if you, by your own silly actions, put yourself in a place that people attack you, that's your own choice. 
But if you're just loving God with purity of heart and loving God with all that you have, then honestly, we can't, ex we can't expect to be attacked. So we, we love him in purity. And it's actually a sign that we're walking on the right path. When people oppose us for following God's command and not compromising, you know what, we're doing the right thing. It says in verse 29, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle that I that you saw I had, and now here I still have. In other words, he, Paul's saying, I've been locked up for this. I've been locked up because I refuse to compromise on the message of love that Jesus gave. The message of repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The, that message actually drove him into jail. Would you be willing to go to jail with that message, for that message, or would you compromise? Would you be like, actually, you know what, I don't, I don't want to go to jail, so actually I don't love Jesus, and I refuse that love, and, Jesus, you know, and I refuse to, to say anything about it? Would you, be, would you be willing to stand firm in your faith? You know what, it might get to a day in this country where we actually do go to jail simply for loving Jesus the way we're meant to, simply for declaring that love and declaring that we should all turn to him and be forgiven for our sins. The day might come where we actually have to go to jail to declare that message. Are you willing to? See, the thing is, as it says in verse 29 there, that we've all been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe, because belief is the, the start, but actually whenever we believe and we truly follow, we can actually expect suffering. That's what it says here. So don't be surprised if people come against you. If we look at Matthew 5, it actually says from verse 10, it says, Blessed are those who are per persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you know what? We're actually blessed when we're persecuted for doing the right thing. Because what are people going to do? It says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's a pattern that's went on throughout history. Really, if you truly serve and honor God, you're going to have the world come against you. The devil's going to make up all these lies and stuff against you. People are going to totally misunderstand you and misconstrue you because, in essence, the devil's going to twist it to make it look like you're the one in the wrong. So you can expect that. But we rejoice and be glad in that. Why? Because we know that it, we're doing it and we're actually storing up treasures in heaven. It does tell us not to store up treasure in earth where moth can rust and destroy, but store up treasures in heaven. And that's how we store up treasures in heaven. We serve God the way he asked us to, the way he says, follow me. We follow him in faith filled with faith, and just do whatever God asks us to do. We believe he wants us to pray for someone, we pray for someone. We believe he wants us to share the message of hope, we share that message of hope. We do whatever God inspires us to do. So rejoice and actually, in essence, seek out the day where you come under attack. Because then you know you're truly walking in the light of God because you're actually offending people by his love. 
We're supposed to honor God with all of our life, whatever pathway that leads us down. And see, that's why we're meant to be united together. Because we can build each other up and encourage one another to take a stand. So whenever that day comes, we can stand firm. That's what it talks about at the end of Ephesians 6, about putting on the armor of God. So that after doing everything to stand, we can still stand. Because it's not going to be easy to stand. And in our culture, in our, in our area, in our faith, it's getting harder to stand. All of the truths that we hold dear to are becoming under attack one by one, aren't they? I think we all know that. See, we express the same core message, and by the grace and love of God, we can then show it to others. And the beauty is, we all hear the same verses, but we all apply them in different ways. See, all the different ideas that come through your mind whenever I say love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's so many different things could come into your mind. So to some of you, you might be like, right, I can really love my neighbor because I know they can't put their bins out. So I'm going to put their bins out for them every week without fail. And I'm going to put them out and back in. And that's how some of you think whenever you hear that verse, love your neighbor. That's what it means to you because it's an expression of love that you can show that neighbor. And then some other you might think, you know what, um, and I know somebody's done this, that actually, you know what, somebody's been defrauded, so I'm going to go and help them actually claim their money back after they were defrauded. That's what you do, isn't it? You see, you just go, actually, you know what, I'm going to go and help that because the, that's um, injustice against them, and I'm gonna, not going to let that injustice stand. And then some other, you know, some others help out sort of other issues. Somehow sort the gardens out because they're good at, you're good at gardening and you know they're not. So you go and you bless them by helping them in their gardening. Some of them you go and do their shopping for them because you know they can't get out to do their shopping. You know what, the list could go on and on and on. Whenever you hear that verse, love your neighbor, some stuff rises up within you and you go, actually, you know what, I love to love my neighbor and show them the love of God through what I do, through this, through that, through the other thing. And that's the beauty is we're all different. We celebrate this diversity. But some people might look on in on that and they might twist it. They might try and distort it. They might try and distort um, what, we, what we want out of that relationship by doing that for them. And see, that's, just, that's the truth of the world that we live in. But this is where we know that God knows our hearts. God knows our motives. God knows why we do things. And if we do things um, with pure hearts, clean hands and pure hearts, we are ascending God's hill. We are serving God and we are in the presence of God as we do that. Jesus does say, um, uh, you know, once whenever, like, you know, you, you, fed, the thir- you, know, you, fed, the th- you fed the thirsty, you fed the hungry, you give a drink to the thirsty, you clothed the naked. And then, uh, you know, he, he said, you did that to me. And he said, when do we do that to you, God? And he said, whenever you did it to the littlest of these, whenever you did something for anyone, you do it unto me. You do it as if that person is God himself. You serve them with all of the love that God gives. And that's when we stand blameless before God because it's more important that we please God than we appease people. It's not our job to make everybody happy. I want you to know that. It's not your job to please everybody. And I'm a bit of a people pleaser. So for me, that's a tough one because I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to walk away smiling. But it's not our job. Our our job is not to make people happy. 
Our job is simply to show the love of God and to teach people what it really means to know the love of God, to share the gospel with them. And that's why we rejoice, because we know we're doing the right thing. I want you to rejoice tonight. And if people should attack you, don't worry. Don't be afraid. It does say there we're not supposed to fear. Don't be afraid. We do sing sometimes, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. And that's what we keep singing over ourselves. That's what we keep believing. We keep declaring over ourselves. I don't have to be afraid. I'm a child of God. Nothing can come against me because I'm a child of God. That's what we believe with all our hearts. I don't know if any of you have seen some of the um, Tyson Fury interviews uh, where, uh, where he's actually, um, he, he's, well, he started his interview after the fight by just saying, declaring that Jesus was his Lord and Savior and that darkness wouldn't have any hold over him. That's what he, after the fight, he said, why? Because before the fight, the man was claiming that he was going to defeat him through darkness. He was going to defeat, defeat him with the darkness. He was going to defeat him actually by being demon-possessed. That's what the man was claiming that came against him. So he, so he comes out afterwards and he declares, you know what? Darkness can never have victory over the light. And even before he went into the ring, he sat opposite him and said, you've already lost because you're in the darkness. You've already lost because you're claiming the darkness. I, I have claimed the light and the light will win. And what happened enough, true enough? The light won. Yeah, the guy got literally wiped off the face of the earth in that boxing match. But you know what? That's what's going to happen. Whenever you raise your head above the parapet, whenever you declare your faith in God, whenever you declare that Jesus is Lord, and time and time again throughout history, we'll see this. The darkness tries to come against the light, but it's defeated. So anything that tries to come against you in your life, that is from the darkness. Anything that tries to bring fear, we can just declare, I'm a child of God. You have no hold on me. Now fear of God drives us to him. Any other sort of fear that doesn't drive you to God, it's not worth entertaining. But fear of God drives us to him and drives us on in him. Fear of a holy God is an amazing thing because it leads us to repentance. So if it's not leading to repentance, it's not real fear. So therefore, it's from the darkness. It's from the dark side. And that's why we declare with the light and love of God's love. We declare that. So we don't just adapt our rules to sit, to, to sit with people. We actually go, right, God, what are your commands? And we abide by them no matter what. We abide by them because God says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you do. You don't compromise that. You love your neighbor the way they deserve to be loved, if that was God himself. And that's a beautiful thing. See, we looked last Sunday morning at love. And to truly love God and love others, it's a non-self-seeking kind of love. Jesus kept reminding us in John, and he kept reminding us time and time again, I give you a new command, I give you a new command to love one another. It's something new, it's something which is against our own ingrained thing. We want to be self-serving, we want to look after ourselves, we want to make sure we're okay before we worry about other people. 
But yet the kingdom of heaven turns that on its head and he says, actually, no, I'm giving you a new command. Love each other. It's not about you, it's about everyone. He calls us a body, doesn't it? Doesn't he? So we're not an individual item and we're not all bodies. We are one body. So if one part of us hurts, we all should feel the pain. We all should be hurting. That's why we weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. Why? Because we're going to be comforted. We're going to be blessed. That's the beautiful thing about family. Family, we share the best and we share the worst. We share everything together and we journey together. And that's why I want to encourage you with this new command, love one another as he has loved us. And how much did Jesus love us? He laid down his life. He gave it all so that we can actually be connected into this family and knit together in love. It isn't an easy choice. As I said earlier about the marriage, it's not an always easy choice. But we've got to choose to love one another the way he loves us. It's the same within the church. We've always got to come back to our first love and love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. It's the greatest thing we can ever do for each other is truly love one another, truly bless one another. And through the unity that God gives us, he gives us all the strength to survive, the strength to get through. So when somebody's sick, we gather around them, we pray for them, we encourage them, as we, as we are, as we do do. I'm not telling, I feel like I'm telling you already how to do it, because you do do it. I'm just going to round up just by reading a few verses from James 1, verse 2 to 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So my encouragement to you is this. Consider it joy when you do face anything. Whenever things come against you, consider it a joy. Don't, don't be like, oh, no, woe is me. But actually, dust yourself off. Pick yourself up out of the mud and go, God, I give it to you. Get on your knees and pray, as we were encouraged this morning from Paul Raybould. He said, get on your knees and pray, didn't he? He said, pray, pray. We've got to pray about everything. Always be in prayer. So we just give it there, give it to God, because in faith we follow him through it. He never said he was going to take us out of this world. He said he was going to lead us through it. So don't be expecting an easy life. But it produces perseverance. And perseverance will finish its work so that we can be mature and complete. So actually look for what God can teach you through the things you go through not lacking anything. My prayer is that we'll all live this life worthy of the calling we've received. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you who has begun a good work in us will not leave us abandoned, but you take us through to completion. So God, we just pray right now that you just lead us 
through every single day. God, through all the trials, through all the sickness, through all the pain, through all the, even the death, and through all the stuff that we must go through. God, we just give it to you. We look to you. Almighty God. We look to you, the one who loves us. We look to you, the one who guides us, the one who protects us, the one who loves us. Before we were even lovable, you loved us. God, thank you for the family that you've placed around us. So God, if we're going through a weak time, maybe declare it to those in this family. Maybe declare it to those around us so we can build each other up and encourage and edify one another. God, to all those who are sick in our congregation, I pray against that sickness right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that they be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Wherever they are, God. God, to anybody who's downtrodden, to anybody who's struggling to lift up their head off their pillow in the morning, I pray that you just inspire them with your Holy Spirit. Inspire them right now um, to, to a new calling, a calling of love a calling of selflessness where they serve each other in love. God, I pray for a healing for any mental health issues within this church, God, within this area. I pray right now for a healing in Jesus' name. God, make us all worthy to follow you. God, thank you so much that you do love us. And God, just excite us about following you. Excite us about living a life worthy of the calling that you've given us. And whenever Jesus says, follow me, we drop our nets. We drop everything and anything around us and we follow you in faith. God, I pray every day will be that response. Where every morning we wake up and we say, where are we going today, God? How can I follow you? In Jesus' beautiful name, lead us on. And lead us into doing miraculous things for you. In Jesus' name.